So, how many mice does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Well, I don't know. Or two, but I don't know how they got in the light bulb. (laughs) 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 This is 8-Bit Episode 16, The RuneScape Phase, on Sunday, December 23rd, 2012. And now, shortage of wanton destruction. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker with guest Leaf Park Jordan. Yep, that was as bad as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Guess where I learned that one? Boy Scouts, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Boy Scouts, where they teach you useful things like bad jokes and poker. (laughs) And Magic the Gathering. Yes. By you, the way, you learned Magic the Gathering in Boy Scouts? Yeah, yeah, because, like, everybody in our troop is just hugely into Magic the Gathering. That's all we do on campus. We just kind of sit around and play Magic the Gathering. And, uh, now you I'm just. Te- I went on hikes. Well. And explored. Did, you must have stopped coming to campouts at some point actively because, yeah. like, after a while, that's just kind of became our activity. Um, yeah. It sounds kind of lame now, but it was. It, when were we ever in a group of guys who wanted to play Magic the Gathering other than at Boy Scouts? Literally well, I wasn't with never. You when that was happening, but it's happened to me before. In junior high? No. In, no, exactly. Not in junior high. But now I'm teaching my sisters how to play Magic the Gathering, <laughs> and she beat me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I let her use my good deck, and then I just kind of goofed around and didn't kill her right away. And then she beat me. And now the student has become the master. Uh, it was the first game that we played, too. <laughs> Get owned. I did. So, welcome to 8-Bit, everybody. I am Ian Buck. I'm Ian Decker. And I'm Leaf Park Jordan. And this is your favorite podcast about video game news. Woo! Yay. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. Filmed in front of a live studio audience. <clears throat> of Ryan Rampersett, who doesn't care about games. <laughs> Except or for Guild Wars 2. No, that's not a real game. I'm just kidding. I play it too. All right. So this is something that we've been forgetting to do with our guests, unfortunately. But Leaf, why don't you tell us what got you started in gaming? Like, what was your first system? What was your first game? Favorite games? Favorite sort of games? Things like that. Right. Okay. Um. Well, I guess my first games that I ever played were Flash games on Neopets, but I guess that hardly counts. <laughs> Um, after that, I, uh, I got a PlayStation 1, or my, rather, my parents got a PlayStation 1, um, with Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I finally worked up the courage to actually play them instead of watching my, uh, dad play them, I was hooked. And they became my, like, two favorite series of games for a long time. Um, and then, uh, I got a GameCube when that came out because... That had the newest Spyro the Dragon game on it, but that was actually terrible. So from then on, I started playing um, more of the Nintendo games, like the Mario's, Legend of Zelda, stuff like that, um, which were also great. And eventually, I started getting more into PC gaming. I think the first major PC game I played was probably Warcraft 3? Might have been it. I didn't do much PC gaming before that. I mean, there was the occasional, like, SimCity or, like, Star Wars... X-Wing Alliance, stuff like that. That's way earlier than I ever started on PC gaming. <laughs> I mean, my dad was a big PC gamer. Like, he liked, uh, he loved Diablo 2 and uh, stuff like that. But I didn't play much in the way of PC games because uh, my parents were pretty strict about ratings. So, like, I couldn't play most of the stuff my dad had for a long time. Um, so, yeah, and then after Warcraft 3, it was World of Warcraft for a while. I played that uh, basically through to 
high school and then quit when Burning Crusade came out because my guild imploded with drama that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like, that sounds point, like a story all on its own. Yeah, yeah. One day I just <laughs> logged onto the, uh, the guild website and it was like non-existent and that was the end of that. And then I just quit shortly thereafter because I didn't want to like get myself into a new guild and stuff. Um, and then more lately I've been playing a lot of strategy games like StarCraft 2 and, uh, MOBAs like Dota 2, League of Legends, stuff like that. Where he kicks butt. <laughs> uh, I like to think so. So speaking of guilds, um, you know, you got me into your guild for Star Wars, the Old Republic. I did. Just free to play uh, now. Yeah. Um, back like months before it, well, I, probably like a year before it even came out, you know. Wait, wait, I had a guild? What was my guild? No, you were, uh, uh, OUF, um, Order oh, of, yeah, of the yeah. Unifying Force. That's right. And, uh, and so you got me into that, that guild, and I was just there on the forums, and like, none of you were on the forums ever, because it was like, nothing was happening with the game, but I had just heard about the game, so I was all like, yeah, let's play, you know, <laughs> I can't wait for it to come out! <laughs> yeah, I played that game for about a, a week, I yeah. think. <laughs> you got your $60 worth out of it. No, I never paid for it, I played the beta, and then I never played it again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh... See, wow. That's a much better approach than I had, which was... <laughs> Pay the sixty dollars, like you know, pre-order it the first day it was available for pre-order. Get the 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 week of uh, early access, and then go home and not have internet for a month, <laughs> and then realize that oh, I don't want to pay fifteen dollars to play this again. <laughs> so what? Did you just never actually touch the I game? I haven't touched the game since before launch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My big thing with that game is that it felt like it should have been a single-player game. Like, had it been Knights of the Old Republic 3, it would have been great. Oh, but yeah. as an MMO, it was just sort of... Eh, it was like World of Warcraft, but, like... Mm. Yeah, but, you know, I ha- I don't have the World of Warcraft fatigue yet. Right, yeah, I suppose not. So you don't... You, you never went through a RuneScape phase? No, I never had the RuneScape phase. In fact, I remember, like, being... I remember a lot of people being in the RuneScape phase while I was playing World of Warcraft. I'm not sure how that ended up working out, but that's what I remember. And I remember disliking RuneScape because I was, you know, a World of Warcraft player. Right. Obviously, I had to be an elitist about it. (laughs) PC games. (laughs) Elitist even with other PC games. Exactly. We have to. We have to. Yeah. (laughs) If someone's not looking up our nose, we're doing something wrong. (laughs) And it looks lovely today. You must have cleaned it recently. (laughs) Only with my finger. Lovely. So, <laughs> so uh, let's move on to some headlines. Um, I'll get us started off. The Nintendo TV launched on uh, December 20th, but Netflix and TiVo are not supported yet. I believe that TiVo is going to get support in January. Um, no word yet on Netflix, though. I feel like Netflix is kind of mandatory, like at this point for some kind of you know TV. Yeah, game. I I don't know if there's a there is a separate Netflix app for the Wii U, but, like, within their TV universe, and I don't really know much about exactly what the TV universe is, I think it it has something to do with, like, you can use the gamepad, you know, as a remote, and, like, to get extra information while you're watching things, Mm -hmm. a la Smart Glass, Um, but, like, I I guess it's, like, more unified for that than, than all these separate apps. Right. Hmm. Somebody read the next one. (laughs) One of you two. I don't care which one. I got it. NVIDIA has a program in beta called GeForce Experience, which takes your hardware configuration and automatically optimizes the graphics settings of your games so that you can get the best look you can without dropping the frame rates. Sign me up. Plox. I already did. (laughs) I signed up, even though I don't need to worry about frame rates. 
Well, this is actually the first I've heard about this, but it's if it actually works, that would be great. According to PC Gamer, it actually works. Okay. And like it's not like it's Nvidia promoting Nvidia um programs or anything, you know? It's like like they had the example of running um Arkham City on uh, on a mid on a mid-range uh, laptop and like the the you know, Nvidia uh or the GeForce experience turned down the NVIDIA physics, like, as far as it could, because that was what was slowing down the computer. Um, so. Okay, so it, it just picks up the settings for you. It doesn't yeah, actually, okay. No, it doesn't change, like, your system or anything or, or anything. It's just the, the in-game settings, because a lot of people, you know, don't understand exactly what those do, um, you know, which ones are hard on frame rates and yada, yada, yada. So. I, I wonder if what Gamer Booster would do with this. I mean, like, if Gamer Booster, what Gamer Booster does is it shuts the, down the Razer one. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. It shuts down background programs to optimize game experience. So would it shut this down by accident too? Um. Well, you can you can tell Game Booster what to shut down and oh. what not to shut down. That's Perfect. that's fully, fully customizable as well. Um. The funny, the the greatest thing that it can do, I think, is uh, shutting down Explorer. Yes. <laughs> but uh, you said yes, like I'm talking about Internet Explorer. Oh. I'm talking about explorer.exe. I, you see, see the taskbar and all these yeah, wonderful windows. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, say goodbye to those. Well, I mean, I'm fine with that. If I'm in a game, I don't need exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Unless like, you want to alt tab out. Yeah. And it's always telling me, like, you know, the Windows arrow is actually pretty processor and graphics card intensive. So, mm-hmm. like, if that's gone, that would definitely speed things up. Yep. Give us to something hmm. I've never tried out, but I've meant to. Yeah. I have it. So I'm going to, I'm intending on trying it out. It's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose also, like, if the GeForce experience is just for getting the right settings, you could just, like, use it to figure out what settings you need, and then you would never have to run it again for that particular game, as long as you set them correct. Correct, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Like, and, and it will set it for you. It doesn't, like, need to tell you which settings to do, and then you go do them yourself. You can just click a button, and it will set the settings within the game. Convenient. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So this, coupled with things like, you know, the Steam Box, um, are kind of, I think, you know, PC gaming industry's way of you know getting rid of the the um the barriers that people typically have for going from console gaming to pc gaming you know like oh it's too hard i don't want to like you know have to deal with all these graphic settings and some people don't even realize that there are graphic settings so they're just running around with 1024 by 768 on and you know <laughs> terrible textures people said this game looked great what are they talking oh about <laughs> what's going on here yeah. Of course, they'd be playing Call of Duty anyway, so who cares about them, right? No, those are just 12-year-old kids anyway. I want to teabag your face. I like Call of Duty. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm a hardcore gamer, guys. <laughs> Actually, I play more Halo than I do Call of Duty. Halo is That's interesting. Where Do you have access to uh, an Xbox? Yeah, one of my friends at school has an, a 360, and he's picked up Halo 4. He's kind of an addict, actually. He's always trying to get me to play co-op with him. That was the one game that we didn't have to look far to get somebody who played Halo 4 <laughs> to get on the show. That was yeah. Kyle, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. My old CF. Mm-hmm. Oh, Great look, guy. More news. Right. Mr. Lee. Oh, yes. Um... Alright, so THQ is selling its studios and has filed for bankruptcy protection. They claim that development and publishing of their existing titles will continue unhindered, but you have to wonder about how long they will last. 
And along that same line, uh, Jason Rubin, the THQ president, has posted a an open letter to the community describing this purchase and bankruptcy protection as a new start for the company. And he has reiterated that their games will continue development unhindered. And so he, he gave several examples of other companies that have had to file for bankruptcy protection um, who are doing just fine now. And I think the one that he used was like MGM because mm. um, they've come out with a few really good movies, like huge uh, blockbusters since then. And so that's what he means by like a new start. Okay. Well, yay, I'm glad they're not completely dying, but I'm still sad to see THQ go. Yeah, I've always really enjoyed their games. Like, I've been playing a lot of Company of Heroes recently, and it really is an excellent game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with Dawn of War. That's another one I like of theirs. What else do I have? I actually bought their complete pack a while back. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten gotten through maybe like a third to a half of them. Um, Oh, yeah, the Red Faction, I believe that was them. Those were those were all quite good. Darksiders. Darksiders. The, f- the first one was amazing. Second one I wasn't as impressed with, but it was still good. I haven't actually played those yet. People keep talking about um like Saints Row the Third as like their flagship game, and it's like, well, you're in. I'm not in the right crowd for that. Like none of my friends really play it, but I know that it's quite popular. I don't yeah. know. The only ga- thing I know about that game is that you can beat people up with a giant purple dildo. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I don't and know. you're naked when you do it, too. Oh, yeah, great. I mean, like, Well, you can be naked. There's fully customizable. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what if I want a green dildo? <laughs> yeah. It needs to be my favorite color. Come on. Purple is just not acceptable. But so it's far too floppy that way. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I am not okay with this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. THQ seems to definitely be like acting like a bankrupt company to me, um, because of like all the various deals they've been having recently. Like the uh, what was that? The humble THQ pack mm-hmm. that they were doing recently. That was awesome. Except that I already owned all of the games. <laughs> yeah, same. I think I picked it up anyway just to get um, Red Faction Armageddon because that wasn't in the complete pack when I bought it, mm. and I I've been. Itching for some more wanton destruction. Because <laughs> there's, you know, a shortage of games that like, give you wanton destruction. <laughs> well, it has particularly good wanton destruction. Or at least, uh, uh, what was it? Gorilla did. Yeah. I think I have. I know at least I have a couple of Red Faction games. I haven't played them yet, but I want. they're one of the ones that I intend on playing. Yeah, I'd compare the earlier ones more to Half-Life um, in that they're... Hmm. They're more linear and a lot of, you know, shooting. And the later ones are more Grand Theft Auto, where, where you're stealing cars and blowing things up and all that fun stuff. Hmm. Actually. That's an interesting shift. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like, the uh, the gorilla, when I played it through, gave me sort of an odd feeling because of how you were basically a terrorist. Like, I mean, it's like Mars is a rock and you're the terrorists. And it was sort of an interesting, like, counterpoint to modern military shooters and stuff like that. I don't know. Hmm. I liked it. But it didn't really make you, it never really pointed that out. It's just like you were blowing up buildings and eventually those buildings started getting less military and more civilian and it's kind of like, oh, look what I'm doing. Hmm. So it's like Spec Ops the line, but not quite as obvious. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's what it seemed like to me. Hmm. And our, our final little piece of THQ news is that um, there's a rumor going around that Ubisoft is interested in acquiring some of THQ's key properties, um, especially if uh, THQ gets desperate enough to sell those properties for really cheap. So Monopoly of the game at work <laughs> in real life. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, that makes sense because Monopoly is supposed to simulate this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it does its job monopolies well. Monopolies about monopolies? What? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, 
I thought it was about some like streets or some crap. <laughs> Literally buying New York. Well, actually, my Monopoly was always about taking over the galaxy because we always played the Star Wars version. Actually, what I've been playing a lot of recently is Riskopoly, where you play Monopoly and Risk simultaneously. And every time you pass go, you get a certain amount of money and you can buy armies on the Risk board. And you win by winning Risk. But if you're eliminated in Monopoly, you can keep playing Risk until you run out of armies. But you can't get any new armies or anything? You can't get any new armies or anything, yes. At that point, you've basically lost. But if you eliminate someone else, you can take all their Monopoly stuff. Nice. So, yeah, it's it's a really fun game, and I actually feel like it improves both Monopoly and Risk. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even want to know how long this game would take. I think our last game took between five and seven hours. I forget what it was. It's not quite as long as you'd think, but it's still pretty long. <laughs> yeah. All right. Notch has donated $25,000 to the Defend Innovation Project, which is aimed at reforming the American software patent system. Yep. Notch is a pretty nice guy. I've mm-hmm. actually seen a lot of hate for him, like, a while ago, um, uh, about, like, him doing things like this because he's just trying to remain relevant, but I don't know. It seems like he's just sort yeah, of... I- that sounds like the kind of thing, you know, there's a lot of backlash against THQ for doing their Humble Bundle, because it's like, well, you're not like an indie developer, you know, it's like, well, what are you complaining about? They're releasing <laughs> all of these awesome games for pay what you want, like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. as long as it's good stuff that's happening, I don't really mind what's what the um, motivation is. Yeah. And people may be reading into it too much. Yeah. You know? yeah, I think that's quite possibly true. I don't know. He's got a lot of money. He can throw it where he wants, and if it's <laughs> to a nice place, then all the better. Mm-hmm. Minecraft is another game I've been fairly addicted to recently. I've regained my addiction. I played it, and then I stopped playing it, and now I'm playing it again. Yeah, I remember you spending a lot of time in political philosophy trying to do, <laughs> like plan out this one like train station that you were going to have, and it was going it was to be like complicated, oh. man. <laughs> This was before, like, Redstone had a lot of features, so I was just trying to do this with Redstone torches and yeah. stuff. And... Oh, yeah, did you, did, uh, you guys ever find a new Minecraft server? Or uh, actually, new... uh, Dylan Oswald started hosting one. Hmm. Um, although he hasn't been having it up recently. I, I don't know. He was capable of supporting all the people who were on it, and he installed some cool mods like Thomcraft, which was like this thaumaturgy magic mod thing where you can get boots that let you jump really high from and stuff like that. Um, and also like more ores in the nether. That was a nice one. Um, and machines, which mm. was, I don't know, felt like not quite in the spirit of Minecraft to me, like having yeah. a machine that automatically mines for you, but whatever. Mm, yeah. Cool. yeah. Takes the mine out of Minecraft. <laughs> well, it does the mining for you. So yeah. No, it's just craft. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much actually. That's sort of what it became. Yep. And I'm still doing my whole underground city thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so did I tell you that I found out what, why your ziggurat ended up underground? No. That wasn't actually the, uh, the moderator or the, uh, the op on that server. Turns out that that was actually, uh, it was Ryan Erickson and Dylan Oswald <laughs> piece by piece disassembling the ziggurat and reassembling it in a cave <laughs> over the course of an entire night. Uh, and they they managed to do it without like messing up anything. Yeah, apparently that's, that's impressive. Apparently, one of them was standing like in the place of the original ziggurat and telling the other one what to do. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, that uh, when I used it for that English project in class, the oh, little yeah. labyrinth thing with all the puzzles and whatnot, and then. T- Sam got me in trouble with the moderator that was on at the time. Right, right. Yeah, that was funny. Good damn, Sam. Uh, entertaining. 
<sighs> Alright, so next up, everyone loved Bastion's narrator, and now you can buy an announcer pack for Dota 2 voiced by Logan Cunningham. I wonder if he just calls all of the characters the kid. That would be that would be great. It would be. Unfortunately, would be. actually I have I have actually heard the Bastion narrator pack for Dota 2, and he does not. He actually never says mm. kid or kid. Well, it's just not the same now, is it? Yeah. No. It's still pretty good though. Like he uh he's got the same charm. I hear that there's also a uh, Dr. Kleiner one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I've listened to a few of the lines for that one just on YouTube, and it, it's pretty funny. Oh, gosh. I don't remember any in particular. Do you want to pull it up or see if you can find a video to pull up of that? Um, quick, or do too we long. Worry about it? You don't have to play all of them, but yeah. So the uh, Steam for Linux beta is now open for everybody. It's no longer a closed beta. Yay. Does not apply to us. I, I'm not someone who runs Linux. Actually, I haven't no. like thinking of putting a Linux partition on uh, my desktop, but I haven't actually done that yet, and I'll still probably do all my gaming on the PC side. So, exactly. You know. Yeah. Like I think they've got like a total of 36 games available <laughs> on that now. It's like <laughs> about the hmm. third of the size of my library. So. <laughs> I don't even want to know how big it is in comparison to my library. <laughs> well, we figured this out last week. Remember, we were looking at. Uh, that the the visualizer thing. Yeah, I'm actually up to 52 percent of my games that I've played now. Oh, <laughs> I love that site. I was looking for that site for the longest time, and then someone posted it on Reddit, and I was very happy. Oh, so he didn't find it through our our show. No, no, that's too bad. Not. I'm sorry. You don't listen to the show, do you? <laughs> not <I'm> usually. <laughs> you totally should. <laughs> All right. So Sir Hammerlock's Borderlands DLC gets a trailer. This, however, is one that we are going to play for all of y'all to at least yep. listen to. If I can get my, um, there we go. Danger! Excitement! More stashes! It's time for another episode of Vault Hunter Adventures featuring Sir Hammerlock. In this week's tale, our hard-boiled heroes travel to the savage continent of Agris. Their goal? To uncover the most exotic creatures Pandora has to offer and give them the old one-two. But danger looms on the horizon for our swell swashbucklers. For while Handsome Jack may be gone, his legacy lives on. Pause. Pause, you thingy. I don't think it has voice control. There we go. <laughs> Google, pause. Someday. Yeah. I, I, I love the, uh, the zero, like, ding. uh, uh, tooth ding. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause he doesn't have a tooth. It's funny. Get it? Not until you said that, because I have not played Borderlands 2. But uh-huh. now, now he's funny. Yes, it's funny. Duh. <laughs> So that's a, that's another one of the DLCs that's available through the uh, season pass, and I have the season pass, but I haven't finished the game yet because I've only played it for like ten hours. Um, season pass is that basically just you get like all of the DLC that they come out with pretty for a much length um, of time or forever. There's, there's so they they had like they announced that they were coming out with four big DLC things. Um, you know, so like mm-hmm. basically if four add-on, you know, mission. Parts, um, kind of the same way uh, that they had in, in Borderlands One, right. and uh, and so if you bought the season pass for like thirty dollars, I think it was, then you get all four of them, and they would normally cost forty dollars hmm. individually. Nice. So yeah, and uh, you know, about five hours into the game, I was like, you know what, I'm buying the season pass because this game is just so darn good. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was talking about this earlier. I wasn't a big fan of Borderlands 1, but I have heard that Borderlands 2 is much better. Uh, maybe I'll probably pick it up, like, when it goes to very cheap. Yeah, I think it was on sale on, like, a couple of days ago on the holiday sale, um, for like 30 or something. Ooh, I have still keep today's deals, out. actually. I should do that. Yeah. But, uh, I was gonna say something. 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 It was on sale, but. Oh, no, so, the funny thing is that, uh, the Borderlands 1, it wasn't even, it's not even like my favorite game by any means, you know, it, it's, it's not the game that I enjoyed playing the most, but it's the one that I have played the most time on, on <laughs> Steam. Like, I have like 70 some hours in that game, and the next, like, the next closest is like Mass Effect 2, mm. with, I think, 60 something. I think I looked at mine recently, and my most played was actually Magicka, which really surprised me, because mm. I didn't think that I'd played that much, uh, Magicka. Of course, time flies when you are playing, playing great games. Game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it is pretty excellent. It's a pretty great game. Like, every mode of that game is fun. Magicka? Yeah. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, finding out some of those combos is amusing. And then, of course, using the crash to desktop spell is annoying, <laughs> especially when you accidentally use it on the NPC that you need to talk to. <laughs> I don't think I've ever managed to do that. I did. <laughs> Impressive. Wow. I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I've, every time I play Magic Up, I think, you know, maybe now I can play Invoker in Dota 2, and it's never the case, ever. And here it's just too hard. You, you just went somewhere that yeah, I was not following. No, what? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, Invoker is a hero in Dota 2 who plays a lot like Magi- uh, Magicka Wizard, okay. in that he's got, like, three different abilities, like Quas, Wex, and Exhort, Q, W, and E. And then he combines them using his ultimate, and okay. that gives him new spells that he can cast, like three quas or three exhorts. Gives him a sun strike, which is like a you know. Uh, Does the ultimate start with an R? It needs to. The ultimate is called invoke, so unfortunately, ah, it doesn't even have an R in it. But should be revoke, something, something like that. I don't know. Anyway, tangentially related. So, if you are looking forward to getting Bioshock Infinite on the PC. We have some good news for you. It will not be using ridiculous DRM like Games for Windows Live. and It'll just be using the standard Steam uh, DRM. And they are making sure to do things like widescreen and mouse acceleration perfectly this time. Yay! I hate Games for Windows Live. You know, the, the funny thing is, the Bioshock games are the only ones that I've actually encountered, like, it being required for. Mm. The the big game that I remember it being required for was... Uh, Oh, that one, not so much. I didn't have too many problems with the Batman. I had problems Arkham when it was... Arkham Asylum? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Dang it. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But no, uh, Dawn of War 2. That was the game that required uh, Games for Windows Live that just screwed me over repeatedly. Because, like, it took me probably a good two hours to actually get that working. And then finally able to be to be able to play with my friends on that game. And it was awful. You know, it was a really weird thing. was um, So, Bioshock 1, you know, I bought it through Steam, downloaded it, opened it up, played it. It was at the most up-to-date version possible, right? Buy Bioshock 2, download it before coming home so I wouldn't have to update it or anything. Open it up, Games for Windows Live, you know, it makes me sign in and everything, and then it's like, oh, there's an update for your game. You want to get this? And I'm like, fine, you know. So I had to download from, you know, from version 1.0 to 1.5 because for some reason they didn't put that into the Steam version or whatever. I don't know. And it always needs to update itself too. Like every time I run yeah. Windows Live, it needs to update itself, and that takes so long. So that's not, it's not part of like the Windows Update package. I don't like, think so. I don't think I've seen it in Windows Update. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's pretty dumb. I really dislike games for Windows Live. 
And the funny thing is, like, I had just finished deleting my Windows Live account, like, a couple of months ago, because I was like, I don't, I don't use these programs. I don't want Hotmail. I don't need SkyDrive, you know? I'm a Google guy. And then, so I, I deleted my account, and then I had to make a new account, and I think that that means that my old, uh, username was still taken. So I couldn't be Wolf Revo! That exact same same thing happened to me. Instead of Bob Red Shirt, I had to be Bob Red One Shirt. Yeah. S One Ert. I became Swan. the Wolf Revo, eh. copying off of the Andrew Bailey. <laughs> He'll be listening to this. He'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that's the last uh, headline. Yay. Yay. Let's have a word from our sponsors. Oh, we don't have any. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn. Ryan. Maybe next time. You want to say a word? <laughs> nope. He's got no words. He's he, ghost. He doesn't ghost. play games. So, I have been playing a few games since I got home for uh, winter break. It's been wonderful. Most recently, I played Bioshock 2. I finished. I actually played through the entire game in like four days. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, would, actually, it felt really short because I was just so focused on just playing the game. Like, I got up at eight o'clock in the morning after my brothers had gone to school. I played like until like four o'clock in the afternoon when they came home. It was it was incredible. I think my muscles have probably atrophied. It's pre- it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, so I've talked a little bit about it already, uh, Games for Windows Live. Um, but the game itself, the game itself was great. Like, um, I didn't think, the, the story was almost as good as the original. I didn't think that it quite measured up to it. Um, I really like, like, Andrew Ryan, you know, was a great antagonist, mm-hmm. and the characters in that, in the original game, were just wonderful. Um, I never, like, of course, I couldn't really follow the whole, like, this is a commentary on objectivism argument, because uh, I I wasn't really paying that much attention during the first game. But then uh, in the second game, you know, the character, like, they were just, like, so far out there. Like, I couldn't understand their reasoning. Like, oh, we're going to take create a new utopia, and this is how we're going to do it. And they just seemed so crazy mm. that I couldn't take them seriously. <laughs> I think what's telling for me is that I can remember basically exactly what the plot of Bioshock 1 was, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go and you fight Randy Ryan, and it turns out Fontaine is like messing up. Whatever. I haven't, anyway. I haven't finished the game. Oh, okay. All right, sorry. Um, no more spoilers. But regardless, <laughs> um, Bioshock 2, I remember very little of. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember certain scenes, but not really how they connect. And so I don't think that it stuck with me as much as the first game did. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was really interesting how, like, um, all of the characters in Bioshock 2 kept, like, you know, referring to Andrew Ryan and, like, oh, this is what I think of him, you know, I thought he was, you know, a great person, or, you know, I thought that he was a terrible, you know, he, 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 you know, was too controlling and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, like, Rapture was still, like, this is eight years after the fact, and Rapture is still, like, living in Andrew Ryan's shadow, and I almost, I felt like this was kind of the way that Bioshock 2 was. It was living in the original game's shadow. Mm. Um, because, like, you know, it wasn't made by Irrational. It, it didn't, like, Ken Levin had nothing to do with this game, right? Um, so I, I felt like it was kind of trying to live up to this great game that came out three years beforehand. Um, you know, and so, and so everything, obvious, I mean, obviously it had to do with, with the first game because it has to, but, um, you know, it was, it was trying to, to, to do this, um, in a way that was new and in some ways it succeeded in some, in some ways it didn't. Um, 
the one area that I think it really, really succeeded was gameplay. Yeah. The gameplay was excellent because, like, for example, in the, in the original game, you could only have a weapon out or a plasmid out. And you, you know, you had one button to switch between plasmids and weapons, but, um, you couldn't use them both at the same time. And in the second game, you had, you, you had both of them at, available to you at the same time, you know, and they were just, you know, click the left mouse button to shoot your, your weapon, click the right mouse button to shoot your plasmid. And so it became just like this awesome, you know, cacophony of just destruction that you could unleash all at once. It, I felt like, uh, the Gunzerker from Borderlands. Um, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. And, uh. Welcome to Skyrim. Yeah. Oh, yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. Um, also, like, um, I did a lot of hacking. Uh, in both games, and the hacking I felt was vastly improved in the oh, second no, game. So much better, so much better. <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't even make like sense in the in the game universe to be like messing around with pipes and, in order to make this machine do your bidding uh, in the first game. But then in the second game, you know, you've got this little moving needle, and you just kind of hit a button to to it, make it stop at the right spot, you know, in the green areas to hack it. And if you hit it in the red red area, you know, you the alarms go off, and it made sense. Um, and like the addition of the remote, remote hacking tool made it a lot easier, um, because you didn't have to like walk right up to the security camera and try to hack it. You could just like see it across the room, shoot a remote hack dart, and then hack it from across the room and, you know, not put yourself in, in serious danger. Um, I should pull up my blog so I know what I'm talking about. Regarding the, uh, regarding the hacking in the first game though, I mean, what, it doesn't really matter. It's all ones and zeros, right? So it doesn't matter if it's electrical signals or water, right? I've actually heard of people making a water-based computer before. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. So, in theory, it could make sense if you have very, very small pipes. Yeah, <laughs> those pipes were pretty humongous <laughs> if you were trying to move them around. Yeah. In order to direct the flow. Um, Let's see. There, there were a few, uh, there were a few new um, weapons that I really enjoyed. The spear thrower. Uh, <laughs> I got some, uh, you know, malicious pleasure in pinning people to walls from afar with this spear thrower. It was wonderful. I don't think they didn't have a spear thrower in the first game, right? No, I think it was comparable to the crossbow in the first game, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think there was a comparable weapon, but it wasn't quite. As... But it wasn't a spear thrower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, of course, instead of a metal pipe, you have a drill. I mean, it's a drill. You're a big daddy, and you have a drill. Like, you can't beat that. Weren't you supposedly, like, the first big daddy? Yes. Um, correct. It was ever created, so... Well, the first one that was successfully created. Ah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they get into that in the, in the plot line. Um, oh yeah, there was, there was this one gene tonic that I really enjoyed having, which allowed you to repair your friendly bots and turrets. Oh man. And it also named all of your bots. And it was so, good. Just, so I'm running around with like, uh, I think I had one that was named Jethro and it just lasted for like several levels without dying. And it was amazing. I was just like, yay, Jethro. Jethro. <laughs> Those things were so deadly. I always had like a swarm of them following. Oh yeah. Great. Did you have another well, one named Tull? You can only have two at a well, time. Well, that too is a swarm. Okay. Did you have, oh, if only you could have had one named Tull with your Jethro. Yeah, I get it. And then, and then they'd all be Ian's because, or something. You're Ian, named, you're named after somebody. Yeah, Ian Anderson, who's the lead singer in Jethro Tull. Oh. Lead singer, flute player, guitar player, and everything like that. Thank you for explaining because I didn't get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's told this story around me so many times that I just know it. Got it. Um, oh yeah, there were a few, of course, new types of enemies in the game. Um, like the, the brute splicers. Um, you know, so they're basically kind of, 
they're kind of in between splicers and big daddies in terms of like how difficult they are. So, I mean, they, they kind of bridge the gap nicely there. You know, like I don't need to be afraid of splicers. They're easy to kill. I don't, you know, I, I need to be prepared when, when I come across a big daddy, you know? Um, but these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're big and they're tough, but they're not like so tough that it's impossible to take them down. Like they don't shoot rockets at me or anything like some of the big daddies do. They're just these big guys who punch everything and, and, swear profusely while they're trying to charge you down and yeah and of course they added big sisters uh big sisters are the scariest things ever because yeah no like except that they give you forever to like prepare before the big sisters attack because they only attack so many auto turrets when (laughs) when you when you uh um Sometimes when, when you, when you like go and get a little sister and, you know, have her harvest some Adam and then, you know, release her or whatever, um, then a big sister might come and attack you, but they like, they, you hear like this screaming noise and it's supposed to be all, you know, like eerie and like, oh my God, she's going to attack me, you know, but they give you like a full like minute before she even like shows up and actually starts attacking you. So it, it kind of makes it not so scary. It's more like, all right, let's uh, figure out what the most strategic way to plant some defenses and, you know. It really does become a tower defense in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, there, whenever I knew, like, I knew that there was going to be, like, a big boss battle, I would, like, you know, all right, let's put a grid system of, uh, of mines here and I'm going to make sure that my little mini turrets are far enough away from these mines that they won't get blown up. And, yeah, it was, yeah. Hmm. I'm curious how much save scumming you did in this game, because I know that when I play a game like Bioshock or Half-Life or something like that, I save scum all day long. Well, you know, the thing about Bioshock is that the F1 through, like, F9 or whatever are reserved for your plasmid slots, so the quick save isn't, is, like, all the way over there on F10, so I never really, like, <laughs> quick saved ever. <laughs> Funny how much of a difference the five keys can make. It's weird, but it's true, like... Um, also, I mean, in Bioshock, there isn't that much of a, a penalty for dying. You just kind of die and then come back in a Vita chamber and, uh... I believe there is an achievement for never using one, though. Interesting. Well, that wouldn't last very long since you come (laughs) out of one at the beginning of the game. Well, that doesn't count. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. It's like they use only one bullet in, is that... Episode oh, one, God. episode two. I have that achievement. I did it. You got that one. I did it. Uh, did you? It was wonderful. Did you do the uh, the gnome one as well? I haven't gotten to around to doing all of the achievements in episode two, and I probably won't get around to doing all the achievements in episode two until, until episode three until, until Half Life Three is announced, and then I'll like right. That's do it that game. <laughs> um, so I'll never get those achievements. Oh, that actually reminds me. Uh, well, okay, continue. Oh, okay. Um. The last thing I wanted to mention was the morality system. So in the original game, you had the decisions on, you know, whether you wanted to harvest or uh, rescue the little sisters. And basically it was if you rescue all of them, every single one in the game, and don't harvest any of them, then you get the good ending. If you harvest any of them, you get the bad ending. Pretty much it. It was pretty pretty much just two endings. Um, in, in Bioshock 2, you know, you have that, you know, harvesting or, or rescuing the little sisters. And then you also have a few other characters who you have this choice of, um, you know, killing or sparing. And, uh, and some of those characters are legitimately like, 
you know, against you. Um, some of them, you know, they're against you because of a misunderstanding. Some of them, you, you know, there's all these, all these different kind of situations surrounding why, why you might want to kill them or spare them. And so based on, on those decisions as well, you get, um, I think there, uh, there's like 12 en- different endings or something like that in Bioshock 2. That's what I've heard. I believe it. Um, somehow I got like, a good ending. I was really surprised. <laughs> I'm not telling you who I killed or who I spared, but somehow, somehow it seemed like it was the good ending. Um, Kill all the people. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Tank. <laughs> are you thinking? I, yeah, I think there are some things that change based on the number of people you kill, right? And some that change based mm-hmm. on the specific ones that you kill are safe. Makes sense. Yeah. By the way, to all of you who are listening or who are listening, who just heard what was going on with the tank, tank, tank. thing. I suppose we should explain, because that's <laughs> in the fringe, not actually in the episode itself. <laughs> that's that's your job. All right, so it is my goal for winter break slash J-term or whatever to go through and play through the Mass Effect series a second time. Uh, first time I did it, I did the way that I usually play through everything, which is as squeaky clean as possible, as paragon as possible. Tank? I just want him to be a no-thinking, badass, gun-wielding sort of thing, and he is ugly. <laughs> so, I, and then, of course, just because I wanted him to be sort of like the complete and total soldier in heavy armor and lots of health, his name is TANK, spelled in all caps. And so I have a couple of screenshots. First one is just TANK, Shepard. And then um, the, the other one is just a picture of him thinking, and it's TANK, THINKING. But of course, he looks so intense during both of them that you can't tell if he's smiling or frowning or whatever. And we'll have some links to the uh, to the pictures in the show notes for everybody to look at. Yes, they're wonderful. But yeah, that's that's my take on uh, Bioshock Two. Definitely worth playing. Um, if you've played the first one, obviously don't play it before you play the first one. That would not make sense. Um, and uh, I don't. It doesn't seem like it's going to be necessary for you to have played Bioshock and Bioshock Two before Bioshock Infinite, because that one just is off on its own in a completely different city and actually takes place before the other two. Pretty much the opposite Te- location, right? I mean, you yeah. got one like way down, the other one's way up. So I might have to play that one first. Wait till it comes out, play it, and then play replay one in. Uh, you then you can do two. that if you want to. Oh, also, I almost forgot. The game looks really good in 3D. Just had to throw that out there. I was I was actually kind of surprised because a lot of the other games that I've played based on the Unreal Engine have looked like terrible, like Mass Effect Three. Like the shadows are just like all wrong. They all render at like the uh, the wrong distance, and it just hurt. It damages your eyes. Um, but Bioshock Two looked wonderful, and it was so good that like you know every once in a while when you like walk under like a waterfall or whatever, and there's like dribbling water in front of your eyes. Like I actually like blinked because I thought that there was like you know, instinctively, because I thought that there was water right in front of my <laughs> eyes, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna get wet. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've never been a big fan. Do you actually have 3D set up on, like... I, I do. Or... I have a 3D monitor with the great-looking glasses. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I've never really been a big fan of 3D, like, in movies, and I've never tried it in games. It, it actually works a lot uh, in games because you are in control and you're actually, like, moving, mm-hmm. especially in first-person games especially um it also works really well in the assassin's creed games because you kind of need depth perception to tell how far away that you know uh that building over there is so that you 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 know it's a lot easier to tell whether you're going to be able to jump to it or not um but yeah 
Apparently, Civilization V is on the list of, like, official NVIDIA 3D-approved games. Oh, man. And I don't understand what that's going to add to Civilization V at Very all. Very little. <laughs> I, uh, I actually picked that game up just recently, uh, and I lost a couple of days just playing it. I, I think I played it for about two days and logged about 20 hours, and it was, <laughs> wow. it was silly. That's a very addicting game. Very dangerous. Yeah, like 24 hours played, and that was over about three days, I think. My brothers and I used to play Civilization Four Hot Seat for, like, just, um, like, hours on end. You know, we'd sit in my room, one of us would be at the desk, the other two sitting on the on the bed waiting for our turn, and then we would all rotate, you know, and... <laughs> Great song. Got a, got a Grammy, or an Emmy, or... Oh, that's right. Whatever they are. Grammy. That. Grammy. Grammy. What's Emmys for? Is that TV shows? No, I think... I think it's TVs. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. TV and well, or plays. We have play the acting. Google here. Oh, the yeah. Google. What is this Google? Uh, the Academy of? of Television Arts and Science. Yeah, this is TV. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now that we are culturally relevant, relevant again. Yeah. <laughs> and the webbies are for websites and... All right. I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those actually do exist. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. Yeah. And I still don't follow in any of them. When any of them aired, even the VGAs, <laughs> we found out. Yeah, I made you watch them. Yeah, which pulled me away from other people. It's just like, oh. <laughs> like someone who I hadn't seen it, from the summer. It came. didn't pull you away. I heard you guys playing Monopoly or whatever you were playing while you were watching it. And I was getting really distracted. <laughs> well, I mean, in the immortal words of Dr. Mama, you must sacrifice this or the life. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> To be a good epi studentess? Epi studentess, yes. Oh, Ian, I guess I was wrong about you. <laughs> oh, you made me cry. I was, I was crying inside. <laughs> you are not good epi studentess. Uh, but I got a four. I got a four on the test, and he thinks I got a five. So we won't break his heart. Okay? Wait, why does he think you got a five? I don't know. He just thinks that. So I am Ian the Great. <laughs> Actually, so Caleb hated that because he had Dr. Mama for oh. chemistry and he was forever <laughs> Ian's brother. <laughs> giving you a shadow. Yeah. Yep. My sister has had the same struggles, I think. Oh gosh. She goes to Central as well? Yeah, she does. All She's right. uh junior this year. Caleb yeah. is too. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I wonder if they know each other. That's a good question. Probably not. Caleb doesn't know people. <laughs> My sister only hangs out with like the anime club. So. Ah, yeah. And uh her ice skating friends. So Dota 2. Yeah, Dota 2. <laughs> All right. So um, I used to play... Okay, so I tried Dota 1 when I played Warcraft 3, mm -hmm. and I was atrocious at it. Like, I was so bad. I played probably, like, five games in total and got absolutely stomped in every single one. So I was sort of turned off from MOBAs for a while um, until I picked up League of Legends, which I found a lot easier, mostly because of the hotkey setup. Um, with, you know, QWE and R being your four abilities rather mm -hmm. than them being spread all over the keyboard and, you know, that kind How of craziness. How do people live with that? I have no idea. People are have massive hands or something. Um, I mean, and then you've also got, like, you know, your, your, the number pad for your, uh, items, item slots, which made things even more complicated because you can't do that and the mouse at the same time. You so know what they say about guys with massive hands? They have massive keyboards. Right. <laughs> Actually, you can get, like, these gigantic... I have seen someone playing on a stream once with a gigantic keyboard. Like, each key is probably an inch by an inch. Oh, my gosh. It's, like, intended for kids or something, but it's because <laughs> it, it's, like, rainbow-colored and all that good stuff, but it looks... Sounds like the kind of thing that you would find on the ground at, like, the Science Museum of Minnesota or something. Yeah, Sounds like something the kind like of thing I would get just for poops and giggles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but in any case, so I played, I played League of Legends and I found it a lot easier and I got into, I got quite into that for a while. Um, and then Dota 2 came out and it's, I, I like it better than League of Legends for a few reasons. And this is almost certainly going to spark tons of controversy. Oh, of course. What are <laughs> because, we here for? Yeah, well, exactly. It's, it's your opinion. Yeah. So yeah. people are entitled to their opinion. I mean, okay. So I like League of Legends as a game to screw around with your friends on, um, because it's, you know, it's just like the comment. mice, right? Yes. Screwing just, around with your friends just like the like mice. mice. Exactly <laughs> like the mice. In exactly the same way, too. That's what you do with the Legends. It's actually one of those, like, Japanese porn games where it's just masquerading behind a I've seen mobile exterior. Hentai. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, are there tentacle monsters in that game? I'm so. sure we Zero. can think of somebody. Uh, Zero. Oh, yeah, God. Kind of. Thorns. <laughs> oh, Zero, not Zerath. Zera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And we already Thanks. have Annie. So, I mean, there uh, you go. Anyway, she has too far. Okay, yeah. okay, she all right, back to actually talking about <laughs> All right, all right, so yeah, so it's fairly easy to pick up, and a lot, a lot of people play it. So, like, if you, you know, take a random gamer and ask them if they play League of Legends, there's a pretty good chance they do, which is nice, because, you know, you can just always pick it up. Um, but Dota 2, for me, I, I find it a lot more interesting in terms of the metagame, in that it's not quite as solid as League of Legends' metagame is. So, like, in League of Legends, you've always got your bruiser-type character going in the top lane, you got your uh, ability char- power character going in the mid lane, and then bottom you've got uh, the long-term carry who does attack damage and um, their babysitter. Um, so that's not quite as like, oh yeah, and then the, another guy running around the jungle being a social recluse until he comes out and kills people. Um, in, in Dota 2, you don't have quite that same, um, like, defined metagame where you must do this or you lose. Like, there's a lot of different things you can run. You can run tri-lanes, you can run just your standard sort of two people in each side lane and one person down the middle. Uh, you can run junglers. You don't have to run a jungler, though, unlike in League of Legends, where you must run a jungler or you lose and your team hates you. Um, and it's also improved on Dota in a lot of ways, because, like, the hotkey setups are a lot less frustrating, um, because it's no longer limited by the Warcraft 3 engine on that. Um, let's see, yeah, hotkey setups are nice. If anybody's are limited by the Warcraft 3 engine, they're doing it wrong <laughs> Well, I mean, at this that's, point. That's what you'd think, but there are a lot of limitations just, like, hard-coded into the game that even the most skilled of modders can't bypass. Mm. And Dota 2 removes a lot of those restrictions. Mm. Um, it's also free-to-play, which is good. Um, I think there was a lot of speculation that you would have to buy it when you when it was like first announced but that's not the case you can buy it on steam but that mostly gets you like announcer packs and armor sets like cosmetic armor sets for your characters and stuff like that so nothing it's not pay to win either um i think i don't think there has been a moba that is pay to win but dota 2 is also not one which is good uh and i think that it also has a higher skill cap than league of legends does in that you can have um characters played at a much higher level than you can in League. Like, I mean, even the hardest character in League of Legends is fairly simple. Like, uh, I don't know. They're too complicated for me. Well, okay. (laughs) I mean, comparatively. Like, uh, Ian, Ian, who would you consider the hardest character in League? To play well? Yeah. Maybe Trundle? Trundle. Okay, well... Trundle or Xerath, just like with the whole mana thing and because you position yourself. Yeah, yeah, a very positioning-based character. Yeah, definitely. Or Ziggs. Yeah, and I mean, there is definitely positioning and interesting things like that in League, but this pure mechanical skill that you can get out of that, you still only got about four abilities and maybe an active. 
uh, item. Whereas in Dota, if you're playing someone like Tinker, um, you might have all four of your abilities plus a thing that resets all your abilities so you can use them again and five active, activatable items. So the pure mechanical skill going on there is significantly greater than it is in League of Legends. And it's really cool both to play if you're good at it, which I wouldn't consider myself good, but like it's still fun to try and also to watch. Um, maybe if you Google, if you ever Google like, uh, uh, Merlini playing Tinker. Uh, or actually, maybe we could put that in the notes as well. Okay. This video. Um, yeah. yeah. Suffice it to say, you can see some very, very high-level plays in... Um, oh, that's a meme. High-level plays in... Uh, is it? In, it is. Okay. In, in just like Millhouse. What? <laughs> I don't go on the internet okay, anymore. Never mind, it's, never mind. I, I'm like so far behind on these meme things. Okay. Uh, I am disappointed. Hey, at least I know what Gangnam Style is. Yeah. I mean, that has a billion views now. Yeah. I liked the video. <laughs> I contributed to their world record. Good. Well done. Yeah, no, I, it's Justin enjoyable. Yeah, what is he at? Is I don't know. His videos at? I have no idea either. Anyway, back to the game. Yeah, back to the game. <laughs> um, We're very focused here on the yeah, show. Yeah, 100% well, focused on the game. Now serious that, business. Now that I'm actually here, I get to take you all down with me. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> You're not just that voice in my head anymore. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm always that voice in your head, Anyway, but I, I think that also um, former Dota 1 players will probably appreciate the game because it pretty much is Dota 1. It's missing a few of the heroes at this point, um, but they are slowly being added and with significantly better um, voiceovers and uh, unique lines that they say in relation to one another. That's one of my favorite things about the game, by the way, is the sheer amount of production quality in it. Like, there's so many lines that each character says, and in such specific situations, like killing a specific other hero, like Tidehunter versus Kunkka is this big thing, um, and, and you know, being in the lane with a specific hero, getting a specific item, stuff like that. Um, so that's that just shows you goes to show what you can have when you get a company like Valve involved in a MOBA game. You know, they just really put in a high production quality. Um, so that combined with the higher skill cap and the more interesting meta game is what separates Dota 2 for me from other MOBAs. What I had heard, um, going back to the game mechanics thing mm-hmm. with League and Dota 2, the roles that are in Dota 2, although there's no necessary. Uh, like, not necessarily the meta is as defined, but the roles that each character plays is much more defined. That's true. You have characters that are very hard carries in um, in Dota 2, and they will always be doing the same thing each game. Like, you have Anti-Mage. His one purpose is to go into the game and to kill as many minions as humanly possible, buy everything, and then win the game for his team. The carrying is harder in Dota 2. Like, if mm. you have a character that really gets strong in the endgame, he gets really, really strong in the endgame. And if you let him get his full six-item build, the game is basically over. But then you also have compositions that are designed to beat this sort of hero by either, you know, killing him repeatedly while he's trying to get all his farm up, or by just pushing really, really hard and winning the game quickly. Hmm. Um, which I think is an interesting sort of uh, uh, process. You know, you've got these various strategies that are designed to counter one another and designed to fight against one another. Like, you actually have timing windows in Dota 2, which is something I find really cool in a game. Late game versus early game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can you can do a sort of rush-based build. It, I compare it to StarCraft, where yeah. you have, like, a lot of different build orders available to you, and they do different things. It's yeah. similar, where you have different team compositions in Dota. Oh, well, yeah. And, I mean, the same sort of thing shows up in League in that way, but it's not necessarily quite as big. Like, with some of the AD carries, like Vayne or Kog'Maw. Much stronger late game. They're, yeah, they're incredibly powerful late game, but if you... They can be shut down early game if you just prevent them from getting farmed on, or if you, like, go a team that does almost all AD. Sure, the enemy team can build Thornmail 
and win that way, but you'll also have a whole heck of a lot more pushing power, and you can just kind of obliterate. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely present in League to an extent. But it's much more so in... Yeah, I see a lot more different strategies run in Dota. Like, I mean, in League, I remember... Maybe this isn't the case anymore with the Season 3 itemization changes. I haven't had too much time to play around with those. Mm. So maybe this has, you know, changed a bit. But I remember in basically all of Season 2, you had this holy trinity of it, or at least for the latter half of it, you had this holy trinity of AD carries in... Uh, Corky, Ezreal, and I believe it was, was it Graves was the third? Yeah, and they were pretty much the three that were always run on, at the professional level because they were just, you know, leaps and bounds better than all of the other AD carries at what they do. You know, they like carry well late game, they're safe in the lane because of their escape abilities, and they just tend to do well. So. Speaking of the professional level, um, I know that Valve is like trying to position Dota 2 as a, as a, you know, dominant e-game, e-sport. Mm-hmm. Um, with you know their their million dollar uh, tournaments that they've held already. Um, so do you think do you think that it is doing well in that regard? Um, do you think it has what it takes to kind of get up there with with League and StarCraft? You know, in terms of being watched and being yeah that I, kind of game. I think it's um, its biggest concern right now is viewership in that it doesn't tend to bring in as many viewers as League or even StarCraft at this point. League is by by far the largest game in terms of esports viewership, mainly because it's got so many players because it's free to play mm-hmm. and it's accessible. Um, so I think that once it goes into like complete release, that may increase a bit. But I do have to say that the International Two, uh, the most recent like major Valve produced uh, tournament is the best esports event I have ever watched. It was just so nice. well put together. Good casting, good games, little downtime. It was just well done. There were no mm. major problems with the internet or anything like that. Or even when there were, they were, weren't like, it wasn't the end of the world. Whereas like in, in StarCraft, if someone disconnects, you, you can't do anything about that because there's no like resume from save game or anything like that at this point. Oh. Because according to Dustin Browder, the technology just isn't there yet. Yeah. Who? Yeah, he's one of the like lead game designers for StarCraft what? Two. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> God, there's just so much awful drama about like the the esports community in StarCraft Two. Like, just there's a lack of features in BattleNet that were there in BattleNet, like the previous iteration of it in StarCraft One and mm-hmm. WarCraft Three. They're slowly getting better, but like it should have been at the level of WarCraft Three at least when it came out, and it just wasn't. That's really bizarre. It really is. And at least uh, you know Dota Two doesn't have any of those. Uh, issues that Counter-Strike does, you know, oh, 1.6 is better. No, Counter-Strike Source is better. No, Go is better. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be, like, Dota 1 purists who will love, like, you know, very particular game mechanics in Dota 1 that may not be present in Dota 2 because of, like, the changed engine and stuff. But I think that in almost every way, Dota Dota 2 is a superior game to Dota 1. I mean, especially once every hero is put in, it's just going to be slightly better. And that's all they need to do at this point, is just add add people. They've got the old developers of Dota 1 in Dota 2, like Ice Frog in particular, is Mm -hmm. is very active in developing Dota 2 and making it the best game possible, which is good, because he's an excellent developer, or at least all evidence points to that. He's very um, hard to interview is fine to get an interview with i'm not sure if he's if he's even been interviewed like he's just sort we'll of be the enigmatic first. yeah exactly we'll, we'll get him out here <laughs> just wait two weeks from now we'll have our exclusive uh interview with uh ice frog <laughs> tune in that's a lie that's a lie <laughs> i believe so this game sort of has the appeal then like to the professional esports community um sort of 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 that whole league thing as what uh with mixed with the StarCraft thing because it's very open and it has that MOBA style and whatnot, but it also is more strategic 
and more customizable uh, in strategies, like sort of with the um, StarCraft II. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. So I don't think it should have any problems getting viewers once it starts to get popular. It's just got to start snowballing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think um, that another major uh, important part of it is going to be the community. Because, I mean, mobile communities are well known for being atrocious in just every way. Yeah. Um, So I'm hoping that... Valve will be able to implement, you know, strategies for uh, removing toxic players and stuff like that. That and Valve does have uh, some experience with that, obviously, because they've been doing, you know, Counter Strike TF2 for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought of something. You know what they need? Valve needs a good, like, just in Steam streaming service. Oh, because you know that w- that would be perfect for Dota 2. Like, and and it would be perfect for the rest of, you know. Everything that they sell on Steam as well. Something I completely forgot to mention. They totally have that. They do? Yeah, there's an in-game streaming. <laughs> Give it to me, Valve! <laughs> there's an in-game streaming platform in Dota 2. So, like, while you're waiting for your game to pop... Yeah, yeah. There is showing the control out the League comic here, which is which shows the League of Legends community in a nutshell. They also had uh, a more recent one about the uh, the psychologists that they hired... <laughs> For, for, for making the Dota, or the League of Legends community better. Yeah. And they're all just like, you know, have, have like stripped themselves of their clothes and are just like snorting and, ah, GG noob and like writing on the walls and. Yeah. <laughs> the psychologists have gone crazy. Pretty much. Though the, I, I did notice that there was a huge positive upturn with the whole addition of the honor system. Okay, yeah. I, I, I can believe that. That's the probably that makes a lot of sense. Um, People trying to get the get the number on their profile bigger. They're gamifying being nice. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much it for today's episode. Um, any anything that you guys can think of that we were going to talk about? Nothing. You're just gonna stare at your screens blankly. All well, right. I mean, uh, <laughs> we were gonna we were gonna uh, at least do a passing mention of uh, the events in Connecticut, right? Oh yes, oh, yes, yes, right. Um, so since since you know the the whole shooting in uh, in Newtown, Connecticut, um, there's been a lot of backlash going back and forth, really, between the you know guns are bad people and the NRA going, no, guns are fine. It's the violent media that's bad, you know? And so obviously violent video games have gotten uh, a huge amount of that, uh, attention. Um, and we're not going to talk about it too much because, uh, at being who we are, we don't really have much to add to the discussion. Um, I feel like this is kind of the, the, argument that's been going on for quite a while and nobody really has said anything particularly new it's just kind of the same people throwing things back and forth at each other and calling each other liars yep Mm -hmm. so you know i mean there's been lots of lots of ink put on paper regarding this and we don't feel that there's too much more for us to add yeah other than something well yeah, something needs to change eventually, but... Yes. What that is, is... I feel like this is election season all over again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No. <laughs> so. On that uh, note. <laughs> um, be sure, everybody, all of our wonderful listeners who listen every single week, uh, be sure to tune in next week for the Nexus's uh, year-end episode. We'll be just kind of talking about, uh, you know, what we thought was the most awesome things that happened in the last year, you know, what, uh, you know, 
things that we thought were not awesome in the last year. Uh, we'll probably have some recaps of some wonderful moments from our episodes uh, in the mm-hmm. last year. And I think pretty much all of our, your normal hosts for the entire network are going to be in the episode, so that'll get pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, tune in, and uh, thank you very much. I'm uh, Ian Buck, signing off. You can find me on the internet uh, on Google+, and on my blog, which is ianrbuck.blogspot.com, and you can find me on Steam as Wolfrevo. Right, and I am Ian Decker. You can find me on Google+, of course, uh, as well as on Steam as DS Bigfoot, and in Guild Wars 2 as Bigfoot.5140. And I'm Leaf Park Jordan. You can find me on Steam as Bob Redshirt, on Facebook at Leaf Park Jordan, and technically on Google Plus, although I don't think I've updated it in a very long time. I haven't noticed you seeing it saying anything. No, I, I really don't. <laughs> so, have a good one, everybody. Yeah.